The word community is one of those words that is used so often to describe so many different things that it can almost lose its meaning entirely. Especially, this is especially true in church settings. Um, sometimes we actually use the word community to mean two opposite things, depending on the context. We might say as a church that we want to work on deepening our sense of community. And in this context, it would mean that our bonds of friendship and fellowship and support are something that we want to build among those who are here already. Uh, and and that, we, that would be part of this community. We want to deepen community here, right? So that's one way of using it. Or if we said something like, we want to do a better job of reaching out to our community, then we would be meaning like the opposite thing. This would mean people outside this room, folks who are not yet inside, but maybe part of a wider circle. So it could refer to the interior, those who belong within, or it could also refer to the exterior, those who are beyond a given boundary. Our texts this morning are about community. But what does that really mean? As we read the passage in John, the primary metaphor that Jesus uses to talk about community is a flock of sheep. There are also some mixed metaphors in this passage that get a little messy or confusing, which may be why in verse 6 it says that the people that Jesus was talking to did not know what he was saying. And that's relatable. <laughs> But even if we don't have a super clear picture of exactly what each piece of the specific metaphor means, like who is the gatekeeper and who's the shepherd in different verses and who are the thieves and the bandits, we can be reasonably sure when we read this passage that we are the sheep. And there's plenty that we could say and plenty that has been said about being compared to sheep. But if we actually look at what Jesus says about these sheep, it's actually... It's not bad. These sheep seem like they're living a pretty good life. Um, here are the things that Jesus says about these sheep. They're called by name. They follow their shepherd. They are not drawn away by strangers or thieves or bandits. They are saved. And put a pin in that, we'll come back to that. They're able to go out and to come in and to find pasture. They have freedom, their needs are met, and they have abundant life. And this picture of the flock of sheep is congruent with the picture from Acts 2 that Ken read. This community that has abundant life together. They're going to the temple and coming back into their homes and eating meals, and the needs of the community are being met. And day by day, the Lord is adding to their number those who are being saved. So both of these passages can be viewed as describing what community centered on Jesus looks like. And we could just stop there and, and hang out and talk about that and look at these passages just through that lens. And there would be plenty to draw from. But it's also important to read Jesus' words in the context of the setting that they were spoken in. In John chapter 10, these, these 10 verses that we read are part of a much larger narrative in John's gospel. And it might be one that we have a little familiarity or we remember a bit because Pastor Jimmy preached on John 9 during Lent. In John chapter 9, just before our text, is all about the healing of the man who was born blind. So when Jesus launches into this metaphor about sheep and shepherds and gates, he's not just giving a general 
speech about community. He's teaching in a direct response to what has just happened. It's the same group of people. There, there's no break. We have a chapter break. There were no chapter breaks. So it might be helpful to have a little refresher on what was happening in John chapter 9. Jesus was out on the road with his disciples, and they encountered a man born blind. And Jesus performed a miraculous healing, giving sight to this man who had never before been able to see. And it caused this huge ruckus and issue and problem with the religious community that was gathered around them. And the description of sheep that he gives in chapter 10, sheep that follow him and are saved, is a description of what has taken place in the life of the man born blind. He's not talking about a general community. He's talking about what has just happened. This man who was born blind was told, go out and wash in the pool. And he came back and he could see. Now he is part of a flock that can go out, in chapter 10 it says, and can come in in safety. He has been saved by Jesus, not simply from his physical blindness, but from isolation, from marginalization, from the state of not belonging. It's worth taking some time to look at the communities at play in this story. Who belongs, with whom, who doesn't, and why. So there's the religious community, which has rejected the man born blind because they associate his blindness with sin. And that's what causes this big debate. Who sinned, the, the man or his parents? And then the religious community gets involved and there's all this debate. And this community is an exclusionary community where the insiders all need to meet a certain standard. And the blind man is not part of this community because he does not meet the standard. So Jesus heals the man's blindness, but not for the purpose of helping him meet those standards and be accepted into this exclusionary community. In fact, that community finds another reason to reject him. They were never going to accept him. They debate with Jesus, they get angry, they debate with the man, rather, about Jesus, and they get angry with the man's answers, and they kick him out anyway. So it doesn't matter. Now he can see, and the question of sin should be answered, but they still don't accept him. So Jesus doesn't heal him to get him into the club. Jesus heals him because that's what Jesus does. That's Jesus' nature. That's what happens when people encounter Jesus. The healing doesn't grant him membership into that exclusive club. It grants the man an introduction to a person who is gathering a new kind of community around him. And when Jesus talks about this flock, he's talking about this new kind of community. This new way of being a people of God. And this community isn't about purity. And it's not about power or status. It's about knowing and being known by Jesus. It's about knowing the one who gives freedom. The one who gives life abundantly. Not because we meet all the criteria, but because we are. Sheep aren't particularly impressive. They can't do a lot of tricks. I actually went down the street. Some of you may know there's a, there's a little hobby farm in Normandy Park, and they have five sheep. And my daughter and I went there this week just to 
we bought some honey, we looked at the animals, and the sheep are, you know, they're sheep. <laughs> they're a little smelly, they're dirty. There's nothing particularly impressive about them, but they are precious to the shepherd. They are known, they are loved, they are fed, they are protected, they are led out, and they are brought in, and they belong. So in Jesus' metaphor of sheep, who belongs? Jesus says all, all of them, all the sheep. Whoever comes in, come be part of the flock. But the particular emphasis in this teaching, given the context of what's just happened, is the ones who are like this formerly blind man. The ones who have been rejected, who know what that feels like. Who were outsiders, and through an encounter with Jesus, have been brought into a new fold. And when we look at this passage through this lens of belonging and relationships, then it might give us a little bit of insight into that very confusing thing that Jesus says, I am the gate. Without context, that just is a little weird. It's like we normally skip over the I am the gate part and we want to get to the I am the good shepherd part. That part makes sense to us. We like that part. But that's not part of our passage. It's the very next line. Verse 11. We read till 10. Verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. Couldn't we have just gone to 11? That would have made this sermon a little easier. But Jesus says it twice in our text today. I am the gate. I am the gate. As Rachel shared, I am serving as a transitional pastor for Hagar's Community Church. It's a congregation that's a ministry of Olympia Presbytery. And it's inside the Washington Correction Center for Women in Purdy, the state's largest women's prison. And when I go to the prison for worship services, I have to pass through several sets of gates. One opens, and then you go into an area, and that gate closes before the next gate can open. They create this very distinct boundary, a boundary that is very difficult to cross. And this gate that I, these gates that I pass through and their function stands in stark contrast to the way that the sheep are going in and coming out and finding pasture in our passage. So when Jesus says, I am the gate, it doesn't seem to be the kind of gate that separates or creates a dividing line. Instead, Jesus is indicating where he stands in community. Gates are along the edges. They're along the boundary lines. Jesus says, I am the gate because he stands at the edges, at the margins. He's always showing up in places that one of my professors, scholar Leticia Guardiola sends. She's a scholar of John's gospel, and she calls this area the borderlands. She says Jesus is a borderlander. He's always showing up in the borderlands. He doesn't create these borders. He doesn't create these dividing lines. He transgresses them. He crosses them, and often in ways that get him in trouble. He stands on the boundary and says to people on either side, come in with me and I will show you a new way to be community. And in this community, this flock gathered around Jesus, 
we don't have to wear ourselves out guarding our boundaries. Jesus is the gate. He's got it. We don't need to be gatekeepers. And what a relief. That's really, that's really hard work. That's exhausting. Nearly all of chapter 9, there's a bit that's the story of the healing, but there's tons and tons of gatekeeping. It's this religious community just wringing their hands. What are we going to do? Because this outsider who we thought was sinful is now he can see, and we've got this Jesus guy, and he's not following the rules, and they're just very concerned. What is this going to mean? How are we going to keep our status? How are we going to keep the outsiders where they belong outside? And Jesus says, I got this. Relax. I am the gate. I call my sheep by name, and they know my voice. They don't follow the thieves or the bandits. They listen to me. We don't have to worry so much about our security, about our provision. We're taken care of. We can come in and go out and find pasture. We're known and loved by a God who so loved the world and sent Jesus that we might have a life and have it abundantly. And again, that passage from Acts chapter 2 shows us a picture of what this abundance and security looks like. This particular kind of abundance is not synonymous with wealth. It's joy and awe, our passage in Acts says. People streaming in day by day, the Lord adding to their number. The kind of security that they experience isn't equivalent to just risk avoidance. We're secure because we never try anything dangerous. It's actually the opposite. It's the capacity to share generously because you know that you are part of a flock being led by a good shepherd. The good shepherd, as our psalm for this day says, who leads us beside still waters, who makes us lie down in green pastures, who prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies and makes our cup overflow. And where does all this goodness happen? Where is this abundance? It's at the borders. It's at the edges. The places where our society has built fences and created dividing lines and separated us. Where Jesus stands as the open gate. The one who has, as Ephesians 2 puts it, broken down the dividing walls of hostility. As someone whose job is to walk across one of these lines every week, the line between incarcerated and not incarcerated, I can bear witness to the truth that Jesus stands in these places. They are holy places. I told a friend earlier this week that it's just easier to preach in the prison. It's easy to preach the gospel there. It just makes sense. And later today, I will go and preach this same passage with the beloveds that I serve with there at WCCW. And when I say to them, Jesus is an open gate, it means something. It means something really specific. I don't have to explain to them that the systems of this world intentionally separate us. 
I get to tell them the good news that we worship a savior who is not stopped by those dividing lines. Jesus is the open gate that connects us in the very places where the world has divided us. And here at John Knox, as a theologically and politically diverse church, we often think that crossing the dividing lines of ideology is really hard. And it can be. It can be hard. But those are not the only dividing lines in our world. So where, where might we, this community, be called to venture out together and join Jesus on the edges, on boundary lines that separate people? There are places where we are doing this already. I think of the bridge ministry dinner that we hosted in our fellowship hall. Um, that was the same night that I, I it was a Sunday night, so I was, I was down in Gig Harbor, but um, I saw some beautiful pictures and my daughter was there and I heard about it. And the dividing line in our society between those with disabilities and those who do not and have not ever experienced disabilities is often very stark very stark. And Jesus stands at this dividing line and invites us to be community together. And that night at the bridge dinner, as people with and without disabilities ate and played bingo and sang songs, we as a church lived out this scripture together. Jesus the gate connecting us across dividing lines. Our text today invites us to consider how this church community, this flock, might listen for the voice of the shepherd, listen for Jesus' voice, and follow him. How we might not just come in, but also go out. And it encourages us that we do not need to be afraid to try new things or to go to new places, because Jesus goes out ahead of us. He's already there. He's at those borderlands creating openings, inviting us into new possibilities, new possibilities for the abundant life and community that our Lord desires for all of us. Let's pray. Jesus, our shepherd, Jesus, the open gate, we thank you for your grace in inviting us, even us, into your flock that we can hear your voice, that you promise that you will call us in and lead us out, that you will lead us to good pastures where we will be nourished and where there is enough. We pray, God, that you would give us courage, that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us grace to be your people, that you would be our God, we would trust you, our shepherd. Lead us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.